Thanksgiving passes and the air grows lighter, easier to breathe in these weeks where moisture is as absent as the money we keep shelling out like prayers. We peek through bent metal blinds each morning to name the night when the air first gathers on our lawns waiting for us. It is during these weeks when relationships grow easier too. Light is the air. Family, friends, obligation dilates to something closer to love. They'll have you with humidity in a few months' time. Political disagreements will cloud our carefree conversations. Conspiracy theories will tear through the ease of being in each other's presence. And greed will keep us from handing out our love so freely. But now, in this stretch of time, when green leaves have transcended to fiery orange, when the trees have emptied themselves of all their burdensome weight, and the air has since decompartmentalized before our eyes, the power of a shifting world beyond our control and comprehension frees us to be and be together out of nothing more or less than awe, pure, unadulterated, and so utterly unwritten. So what is it about joy this time of year? The holidays, the snow, the lights, the cookies, the gatherings, it's the most wonderful time of year. Joy to the world. Shout for joy, sing for joy. It can be brought, it can be given, personified. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. If it's the end result, can we experience it now? If not, what is it that we're feeling when we call it joy? Or maybe the fault lies in language. The words we pair to the things we feel will never fully portray the feelings themselves. Because the most pure and unadulterated form of this thing we call joy is too big for any word. And even though it feels as fleeting as the leaves and the heat, and even soon the snow, when you see it, when you encounter joy, it's like putting on glasses for the first time. This thing that was once so hard to come by is suddenly everywhere. It's in the trees, the home-cooked meal, the faces of your children. And then, months later, you're searching for it again. So really, I think joy is always there. We just call it different things. Joy is the starting point, the process, and the destination. It's the puddle, the creek, and the ocean, the roots, the bark, and the leaves, the snow, the lights, and the cookies, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit waiting for you to pick it up and hold it, to nurture it, and to name it. So what now? Where do we go from here? We can dissect joy, but how do we attain it? Or rather, how do we hold on to it? What is the root of it all? Plato said, love is the joy of the good, the wonder of the wise, the amazement of the gods. We're not posing that we should model our lives and beliefs after Plato, but I think he was right. I think it comes down to love. Love is the genesis of joy. Joy is the journey. Joy to the world begins with love. Thanks, Jess. Um, if you're new, we are in week four of this Advent series, and each week we've asked uh, a writer and an artist to um, reflect on these words, hope, peace, love, and joy, and uh, um, been really, really neat to hear different takes and different reflections on these words and to see. Um, today, I have the, uh, the privilege to introduce to you a friend of mine. Um, a couple weeks ago, <clears throat> I was talking with Jeff, who is our artist for this morning, and uh, he texted me and, and said, uh, essentially, this 
this project and working on this piece has created all kinds of things. And so I'm wondering if I, if I might share a little bit more than uh, what has been allotted me, my five minutes, and my text back was yes, 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 literally. Um, Jeff and I, uh, have we were grade school best friends. I met him in the third grade and uh, have many, many, many stories uh, and memories. I slept over at his house uh, a lot as a kid. We had a club called the Siaria Club <laughs> in the uh, closet of his bedroom, which we thought was really sneaky because we weren't allowed to say diarrhea, so we <laughs> called it the Siaria Club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, we hid all of our candy. We had our, uh, you know, our stockpile of candy and tartan tinies and whatnot and uh, spent many nights talking about how we would change the world. So um, I was thrilled and am thrilled um, to introduce to you and to uh, hear um, my friend Jeff's reflections on joy. So would you give him a warm welcome? Thank you, Micah. I have a couple memories I'll share of Micah as well. I remember it's like fourth grade or so, Micah taught me, he was the one who taught me how to throw a curveball. Uh, we were in the backyard of his house. We were just throwing these tennis balls against the back of his house. I'm sure his mom was pumped about that every 10 seconds of tennis ball hitting the house. But he said, Jeff, do you know how to throw a curveball? I'm like, no. He's like, this is how you do it. You snap your fingers. You snap your fingers. He worked on it all afternoon, and Micah's uh, pitches were dipping right at the last minute. Mine were just these line drives. They weren't no action, no curve. And I remember he kept, he kept teaching me. He's like, you got to snap it. And so finally, I just wound up, and I just snapped it. And the ball was going, and all of a sudden, it just sunk. And we cheered, and we were celebrating. And then we saw the clothesline was wobbling. <laughs> My pitch had hit the clothesline and ricocheted down, and it was not a curveball at all. Eventually, we, uh, we kept working on that. Eventually, I got it. I hit a lot of batters because of this. <laughs> I don't know if you remember uh, when you're young and the, they have this rule, uh, the ninth batter rule. Does anybody remember that? Where the, the they wanted to keep the game going, keep the innings going, and so the ninth batter could not get a walk. Uh, they'd either have to hit it or strike out. <laughs> one time, I hit a guy twice in one at bat. <laughs> the poor guy couldn't walk to first. Uh, my awesome wife, Jenny, is here uh, today. I call her Special J sometimes. Uh, she calls me Homie Comb. Uh, nicknames around cereal. I'm not sure how that happened. but I have three awesome kids, uh, all of whom which, I think they're on the screen here, all of whom which are teaching me and reteaching me everything. Uh, today, my, my art here is expressing the word joy. Today, we're celebrating uh, joy. So I want to just take uh, a couple minutes and talk about what happened here in the painting, which explores several ideas around joy. And then I want to take one of those ideas and spend some more time with it uh, to get more in depth with it. And then I want to close uh, in a time where we can reflect and pray. Just have some space to yourself. Uh, I just want to acknowledge it would take about 10 sermons to start to scratch the surface of what joy is. Today I'm going to do one. Uh, I'm just going to take one of many angles on joy and just and reflect on it, explore it. Uh, so today is going to look a little bit less like a traditional teaching, and it's going to be more of a reflection I want to lead us through 
on how joy and trust seem to be in relationship. Uh, before I get to the painting, I just want to acknowledge that joy is hard to define. Um, it's got some mystery to it. I think we've all used, heard it used incorrectly from time to time. Uh, kind of this idea of needing to muster up some sort of emotion. Uh, you know, Paul had uh, joy in jail. What do you got? That kind of idea, like, what's your problem? It should be this thing that's just kind of easy for people who follow Christ. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Great joy for all people. God moved towards humanity, and there's something that he's made available and something that he has done that is for all people. A great joy. I think it's important to note that it's not just that someday uh, we'll be able to go to heaven where it's better than this. It has to do with right now. It has to do with here. God came here. God picked dirty hay in a barn to be his entry point. God picks the context where there was not enough room. There's not enough room. Uh, Joseph is completely stressed out. There's not enough room in the inn. Um, can you imagine not coming through with the room reservation? Uh, he's just completely stressed out. He failed at his task. His wife is pregnant. He's like, uh, honey, uh, something about the confirmation number. Uh, and he's just completely stressed out. His wife is in pain. They're young. They're both saying to themselves, this is not exactly uh, what I planned my life looking like. This isn't what I planned my life looking like when I was a little kid. And in pregnancy, uh, I've heard your senses are heightened, and they're, they're in a barn, and it just stinks. It just smells. And this is the context where an all-powerful God chooses to show up. So I want to invite you this morning as we go into this time of reflection to prepare you. Prepare your insides. Bring your stress to this time of reflection. Don't stuff away how painful life actually is. Acknowledge the unpleasant. Bring your unknowing. Bring the fact that you don't know. Unresolved questions. Your plans not unfolding like you thought they might. Bring the fact that our surroundings are not quite just right. Bring you. God, as we reflect on this idea of joy that you have created for all, would you speak to us? Would you bring perspective on our life that is true? God, I ask that your spirit would reveal some new thought today specific to each person here and that it would be real, it would be true. God, I ask that you do something small in us today that would cause our lives to rise and expand. 
and lifting up those around us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can, uh, you can learn a lot about an artist by studying their work. You can't know everything, but something about an artist shows up in their work, in their expression. Um, you start to study multiple pieces of an artist. You begin to see commonalities in brushstroke, similar things across all their works. The way they hold the pen or the brush, it, it actually, you can see that in the tone and it shows up consistently across. Uh, you see this in Ben's music. If any of you listen to his, his CDs, listen to what he does Sunday mornings, um, two completely different songs, completely different lyrics, completely different ideas, but there's something Ben about them both. You see this Sunday after Sunday uh, as Micah shares sermons, these mosaics of, of scripture, of history, of study, heart and story, arranged, rearranged, refined, put just so, so that it leads. You begin to see the heart of the artist by studying their work. Across multiple pieces, there's similarities, and you start to see, man, this Micah guy, he's, he's, re- he's really banking on this idea that God is making all things new. He really believes that. It's, it's in everything he talks about that God is at work I love in the scriptures when uh, Jesus is talking about an idea, an idea about faith or following God, the kingdom. He's talking about this idea, and he says it, it's like, and it's almost as if he looks around him. What's around us as I'm telling the story? What have I already created that can help in some way explain this super complex, deep idea about the kingdom? What will these people see tomorrow? and the next day, and the day after that, and how can I mess with that? He talks about fields and bread. Do you picture Jesus talking to a group of people, um, saying, hey, hey, you guys know about that baking ingredient, yeast? Yeah, my idea. <laughs> I made that stuff. I, I thought that up. I dreamed it up. I planned it. I designed it, and I gave it these properties of rising and expanding and taking everything around it with it in that movement. You know the kingdom of God? It's, it's, like, it's like yeast. There's these similarities across works. All the things that God has created, they're everywhere around us. These similarities in brushstroke from the artist. So my painting uh, is me admiring God as an artist. And what seemed to be um, what I've noticed, commonalities in brushstroke and what God has created in joy and what God has created in pine trees. And some of you are leaning over t- and saying, I told you we so should have slept in today. <laughs> Check, please. Um, but similarities in pine trees and joy, these things that God has created, um, there's similar things going on. There's similarities in tone. Um, yeah, they're similar. Uh, and I'm not, sure <laughs> I'm not sure if this actually happened or not. Uh, I'm not sure if this is actually there or not, but this painting, this painting wonders about it. A pine tree sprouts from dirt. There's this horizon line uh, where something sprouts 
across. Something shows up from out of nowhere. Where does all that material come from? We look at bigger trees. Where does all that fiber come from? Where does all the weight from that wood come from? All that expression, all that color. And I know science, we learn it's about seeds and dirt and the sun and the rain, but what actually makes that come from out of nowhere? Something other than itself, something mysterious is is calling forth that reality. And from that place, there is growth. Within that growth, there's pattern. There's branching. There's reaching year after year. And collectively, it seems that those patterns together have direction to them, pointing to something other than themselves. Year after year, season after season, both great and tough, that growth is sustained. Uh, I used a lot of sandpaper on this painting. I thought in a painting on joy that there should be some uh, resistance and wear involved. Um, I had a note in my notes here about wait till the laughter dies down to keep talking. (laughs) I'm going to scratch that out for the next service. When I started sanding back the paint, uh, the black paint, I started sanding that back, I realized the grain from the wood was starting to show through. It was showing up. Um, Wood grain is made up of of lines, of years of growth, and, and some of them, parts of it is softer, parts are harder. And so literally in that interaction of that, that stress and friction, um, some of the paint was being held onto and some was, was letting go and it was showing pattern through. Every year, uh, a tree gets a new ring. It's this pattern of rings going out. If you cut into that and make something out of it, it shows up as lines across. So the very insides of a tree the strength, the frame is, is telling a story of being sustained. Every year, faithful, faithful, faithful. Being sustained. This is the point I want to uh, just spend a little bit of time on together before a time of, of prayer and listening. Do we trust that God will sustain us? think essentially we're all asking, am I going to be okay? We're asking this in big things and in and, and the everyday mundane. This world is great. Um, this world is hard. This world is confusing. John 17, Jesus is praying for his followers before his death. He's praying to the Father and he says, I am coming to you now. But I say these things while I am still in the world. I say these things to you, Father, while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. A full measure of my joy within them. I've given them your word, and the world's hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer my prayer is that you would not take them out of the world 
Jesus prays and says, my prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. There's a joy within a fullness, and it has to do with here. It has to do with this place. Joy works here somehow. Galatians 4, Paul is speaking to a group of people, and he says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And then he says this, he says, What has happened to all your joy? What has happened to all your joy? Is it possible that we can become owned by things without even realizing it? Is it possible that joy is something that we can lose track of? Psalm 16, verse 11, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Romans 15, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May God fill you with hope. I'm sorry, may may the God of hope fill you with joy as you trust in him. Joy and trust have a relationship. So, uh, trusting God, it's it's uh, so hard. <laughs> um, this world is really hard. This world is not simple. It, it's never been simple. There's so much unknown. And we worry in the unknown. We, we fear. And fear is essentially the inability to control something. When we can't control something, we fear. I want you to picture uh, you're out on a walk in the woods uh, and up the path, about 15 feet, out walks a grizzly bear. Uh, fear, right? Ten feet away, a grizzly bear. Is it going to take off? What, like, there's unknown. There's, there's fear in that. You see that same bear at the zoo? No fear. Um, you see that bear at the zoo behind a cage in a contained, controlled environment? You know it's not going to come running at you. There, There's not that same kind of fear. So fear is this inability to control. Take the cage away, fear. You know, will the bear run away? Will the bear eat some berries? Will the bear attack my face? How will I block my face? What about my face? (laughs) And we add a cage and can control, and then the the fear goes away again. But the... Some of you are like, oh, how strong is the cage? What kind of cage are we talking about here? And we worry, do I have enough control? We worry, do we have enough control? I just want you to take uh, half a minute and just think about one or two things in your life right now that are unknown. There's just no way to know about them. Uh, Just name that, just one or two things. Unknown. 
fear, control. And it's, it's super complicated, I know. It's, it's, it's good to be discerning. It's good to plan. Um, it's a good idea to work hard, to think things through. But I think the question I want to ask this morning is, at our core, do we trust what God has said over and over and over to humanity? Fear not. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up. I want to suggest that uh, joy has a hard time growing in the places where we primarily uh, rely on our own sense of control. I think an important note here is that it's both in our weakness and in our strength. Uh, fear grows wherever it can. And so we're, we're successful. We're on a good streak. Not a lot of stuff's going wrong. We're happy. And uh, we get anxious in our success. We say, uh, do I have what it takes to keep this going? What if things change? What if I lose this success? What will people think about my abilities? We get anxious in our weakness. Will things change? <sighs> we get fearful in our weakness. We say, can I keep this up for much longer? What if things get worse? We fear the unknown. We're all asking this question, am I going to be okay? Regardless of the outcome, regardless of the season, regardless how this all plays out, whether it's option A or B or something I haven't even thought of yet, am I going to be okay? And what can control my fears? Scriptures say, may God fill you with joy as you trust in him. I just want to close with a story wrestling with unknown fear, trust, joy. Uh, a number of years back, I decided to go the self-employed route. Yay! It uh, wasn't quite as easy as I thought it'd be. Thank you, economy. That uh, was 100% the economy's fault. It was tough. Uh, I needed some rest from my previous job, and I love the idea of uh, all the potential in working hard at something. And it, it wasn't as easy as I thought it'd be. Uh, eight years later, I was tired. Tired of not knowing what next month would bring, the month after that. Uh, some projects were great, some months were great. Some months were hard, some months were slow. I had hit some really slow months back to back to back, uh, coming close to my goals, but even in working my hardest and meeting with other business people and trying to apply strategies and uh, get out there and, and work hard, I was coming up just short. It was month after month. And I was really struggling with um, identity stuff. Being a man, uh, coming home to a family, failing in my uh, role as provider wanting to do that job well for my kids and provide. 
It was uh, around then when I started to think about my grandpa. My grandpa was a farmer. And there's this uh, element of farming crop that's really out of your control. You can prepare the soil. You can work hard. You can get the seeds in the right spot. You can do all that work really well and, uh, and be prepared and, and work hard. But if it doesn't rain, there's nothing for your hands to do. And I wondered what he learned and generations, all of humanity in agriculture have learned about season, about trust, fear, and joy. So it was a slower day. I decided I got to get out of here. I got to go for a run. So I was just running. I was out in the countryside. I ran past this uh, cornfield that had just been harvested. So it was all cut down. And there's this big hill in the middle of the farm field with a tree on the top of it. And I remember just thinking, I'm running to the top of that hill. I don't care. I'm going to run to the top of that hill, and I'm just going to sit in the middle of the field by myself. I'm going to be touching dirt. I want to just think about being a human being. I'm be all by myself with God, and I want to wrestle with God. I just want to tell God, um, I want to tell him I'm tired. So I ran to the top of this, this hill and got up there. I was just wrestling. God, I'm so frustrated. I'm working so hard, and I'm coming up short. I'm, I'm tired. I told him I feel like I'm failing at my role of providing. I brought stress on my family. There's stress there in my family that is there because I'm not coming through. And I was just wrestling with God, and I was being honest and um, not hiding anything, not trying to be cute. I was just like, God, this is, this is hard. Uh, I feel like this lack of margin is not healthy. There's not enough room. God, there's not enough room. I remember hearing, it wasn't an audible voice uh, from heaven, but I remember God speaking, saying, your identity is not provider. Your identity is the one who will trust me on behalf of your family. Regardless of the outcome, come home each day and be with them, knowing I will sustain Grow and live from that place. Reach out, express. And I'm not guaranteeing a, a certain outcome, but I'm with you. I've faithfully sustained you for years. And even though this season is the hardest, <laughs> the hardest season you have ever been in, I'm not walking out on you. I will hold you up. I am your God. That perspective, if you sit in that, if you own that, if you actually believe that, that will make you feel like a kid again. That is joy. That is joy when you can give God a part of your life that you've been carrying on your own. And say, God, I'm tired. I trust you with this. Regardless of the outcome, I know you will sustain me. I actually believe it. I actually believe, God, that you will sustain me in this. It's unknown, but I trust you. I was running down that farm field after that whole prayer and moment with God, and 
I'm just chucking down this hill, and I remember thinking to myself, oh, my word, this is the closing credits to Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> and I'm just like, yes! And I'm running. And these, these corn, when they harvest corn now, at least, there's these stalks that are this high, and they're, they're just ripping up my shins. They're really tough. So I'm, I'm high-stepping it across this cornfield, just like Adrian Peterson. And uh, I'm hitting these mud patches, so I'm sliding all over, and I'm just all over the place, all the way across this field. And I just feel like a kid. And for that afternoon, I was like, I'm going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I remember getting the edge of that field after, uh, it was like 15 minutes of just running, and this guy in camo jumps out of the bushes and said, this is private property! (laughs) And it's in moments like this where your life flashes before your eyes. And for whatever reason, I flashed back two years, and I was shopping at Marshall's, and I was holding up a red windbreaker and a brown windbreaker. I'm like, should I buy the red windbreaker or the brown windbreaker? And I bought the red one. <laughs> this guy had been sitting in these bushes for about five hours, and I pretty much flushed the field of anything alive <laughs> running across in a red windbreaker. Jen, I came home, Jenny was so mad. She said, you need to stop running across these farm fields in hunting season. I'd like to say that uh, life's been a lot easier since that moment. I mean, that perspective is true, it's real, and it's reframed my life. But it's also, it's a daily wrestling match. Uh, It's a wrestling match from 4 o'clock to 5.30. It's a daily wrestling match. And you and I and the rest of humanity, we subconsciously wonder every day, do I trust God to control my fears? Will I be sustained? Um, we're not actually in control of that much. Joy grows from trust, not from getting our surroundings just right. Jesus slept his first night here in dirty hay. There was no room. There was stress and pain. Joy to the world. I just want to close with uh, four or five minutes for you to be still and to reflect and pray. I invite the band just to play something behind that. And on the screen are going to be some words. And I want you to first to uh, just ignore this if God is already speaking to you on something. And if not, I want you to just invite you to go through these words one at a time. And you may spend the whole time on one of the words, and that's actually great. Go through them and uh, just ask God, am I anxious for any reason in this area? How much of it is unknown and if I'm honest, do I fear it? And then ask yourself, do I actually believe that God will sustain me in this area? You're never meant to carry this fear. We're not strong enough. Something other than you and I makes things grow. I just want to invite you to close your eyes and I'll read this scripture over you and then after this scripture, just be with God. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. From the Psalms, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. The Lord upholds. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, who call on him in truth. God is near, God is near, and God upholds. May God fill you with joy as you trust in him. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.